Hello, and welcome back to the stories that brought you here. It's the podcast dedicated to the stories of the people from Pender Island, British Columbia. I'm your host, Chris Wakalik, and I'll be sitting down in one-on-one conversations with current Pender Island residents to hear the stories that brought them to this playful little island we live on, and to also hear the stories that brought them to the point that they're at in their lives right now. Today, I will be speaking with Barbara Pender. Now, if you know Barb, like I know Barb, then you're going to know her as one of the women that works as a receptionist at the medical clinic. Well, we are going to get to hear Barb talk a little bit about that, along with a whole bunch of other things. We're going to get to hear Barb talk about her time coming to Pender Island when she was young in the summertime and visiting with her parents. We're going to get to hear Barb talk about some walking tours and journeys that she's been on in her life. She'll also talk about her involvement with the Solstice Theater, and we'll get to spend some time recollecting about a play that we were both involved in. And as well, Barb's going to go pretty in-depth into talking about some South Island history that her family played a prominent role in. All that and a lot more in just a really wonderful interview. And uh, I just love Barb. I think she's great. And this was so fun to do. I haven't done a podcast in about seven months for obvious reasons, I think, or obvious to me, uh, once this global situation came up in the spring, it seemed really ridiculous to ask people to sit down and reflect on their lives and really try to focus in on that when there was uncertainty as to what was happening in the following week or the following day even. So as time has gone on through the uh, summer and now we're into the early fall, I've decided that uh, it'd be a pretty good time to restart this project in a uh, responsible way. So if you've listened to previous podcast interviews, first of all, welcome back. And second of all, I just want to mention that I'm going to be taking a little bit easier on the editing side of things. I really worked very hard to try to make the guests of this show sound as perfect as I could. I think it's a bit of a vulnerable thing. Actually, I know it's a vulnerable thing to uh, present your life for other people to listen to and express yourself. And uh, it's a really great thing that people do sitting down and talking about their own personal history with me. And I mentioned to Barb before doing this interview that I was going to just do a bit of a, a light cleanup on the edit for this one, because I've come to the realization that spending time in front of the screen editing is uh, not really where I want to be in my life. I love doing the interviews and the edit, which I've uh, enjoyed in the past. I not getting as much enjoyment out of. So hopefully if everything goes smooth, I'll be able to do more interviews with less editing. If you have never heard a podcast here before, welcome aboard. We're going to go on a nice little ride together here, courtesy of Barb Pender. So the last thing I'll mention as well is at the end, it's not quite the end. There's a little bit of a uh, epilogue thanks to Barb catching something and we just had to add a little portion at the end, but you'll hear that when you get there. So We'll see you on the other side of this. First little music, and then my interview with Barb Bender. Welcome to the podcast, Barb. (laughs) Welcome. Right on. Okay. Well, so anyway, we've uh, obviously like been talking a little bit uh, when you came over here on this uh, smoky Tuesday evening, but uh, we're experiencing this weird uh, weather <laughs> in <laughs> September. 
But uh, yeah, anyway, I haven't done uh, one of these, like I just told you, in about seven months. So uh, thanks. Thanks so much for coming over. Appreciate it. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Okay. Well, let's jump in. We've actually talked a whole bunch already. So let's just get uh, get right to what we're here for. And that's uh, what brought you to Pender Island. Well, I think uh, I can say I think I've always been on Pender Island. Uh, my family has been here on Pender going back to the late 1800s. So um, I think even when I was young and a baby, uh, my dad grew up on Pender Island. So when I was born, we always stayed on Pender Island. So it was never, it was never that I, I don't think I ever was brought here. I, I, I belonged here because uh, my mom and dad uh, were here. Even back in the in the old days, uh, when our, whereas I would have loved to have gone to other places for our holidays, we didn't. Uh, we always came to Pender, but I enjoyed it. Let's work our way back through your parents yeah. here because this is really interesting. So we talked a bit before the show, and I was like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really want to know anything. I want to be surprised, yeah, yeah. right? So this is all new to me as well, too. But maybe let's just start with your parents' first names: Arthur and Connie Pender. Uh, that's Arthur Benjamin Eustick Pender and Constance Gladys Gray. And uh, dad met mom uh, in England and she was a war bride. Uh, when he went to go into the war, uh, he was over there training in Scotland and met mom on a beach in Wales, I think, believe it was. And... Uh, Fell in love with her, and uh, they eventually ended up getting married over there in England. And uh, Dad uh, uh, was over fighting in the continent at that time and was leaving, was sort of in there, you know, going through the concentration camps. And I found out later that he was a big part of liberating a lot of the places over there. But in the meantime, they sent Mum over to Pender Island as a war bride and those uh, stories that mom told me about being a war bride were just uh was just uh, absolutely fantastic they ended up getting i think there must have been 500 women that were married and they all uh got on like the queen elizabeth and they went into montreal and got on a train and started coming across Canada. Mom, who was an only child, never been to Canada before. All of a sudden she's with all these women and they're, I'll never forget the story that she told me about this one girl that she became quite close to. And, uh, she got off in some place in, in Saskatchewan or something like that. And all that was there was this big, tall Indian and all these brambles flying all over the place. And it was just a wooden, uh, wooden deck. And it was one of her friends and she just clung on to her, like crying, didn't want to leave her anything like that. Didn't want to leave. And then, and then mom was so worried because she'd never been over. And then all of a sudden she hit the Rockies and she said, Oh my gosh, this is looking better. And then, (laughs) and then she finally got to the coast and, uh, uh, the, there was these ants, the ants on Pender. There was, uh, Lilia Spalding and Arthur Spalding were one of the first settlers on South Pender and, uh, the ants, 
uh, met mom in, in Vancouver and drove her to over to Pander. Well, drove her. The, the, the ferry at that time came in at uh, Poets Cove, believe it or not, or Bedwell Harbor, yep. I want to say. Uh, and uh, it was only like once a week or something. So that was mum's big thing was to come over to <laughs> Canada and go to this little island on Pender Island and uh, without her husband and not knowing anybody. And But she said she was very welcomed and... And it was, there was no bridge at that time. There was, a, I don't even think there was really a road, so to speak, too much that went all the way to the ferry. Okay. So how, to, how old was your mom at this time, roughly? Uh, she was probably about 26, 25, 26. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah, so, yeah. so she comes over, she's brand new to the country. She's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, here we go, a small island. And, and when she told you this story, when, oh. when you were a kid or a teenager, when did she explain this story to you? Um, I think she must have told it to me when I was younger too, but it was one of those stories that tell me that again, you know, <laughs> like tell me that again. Cause I wanted to hear it. Cause I just thought it would be so exciting. Like just, to, I always had the spirit of adventure in me when I was young. Like it was just like, wow. Even growing up in, uh, I basically grew up in Shimanus on Vancouver Island, but, uh, uh, it was just, I, I always wanted to travel and do things and everything, but I was like, mom, tell me what that was all about and how you felt going over to a place. And I, and, uh, I just think that I, I always respected mom for that. It was kind of a, what a journey yeah. for her to do that. And the dad didn't come for another seven or eight months because he was still fighting on the con, like he was still doing his thing on the continent. So yeah, so she was by herself with these people she didn't know on a little tiny island that had nothing, you know, like you had to row around to Hope Bay to get your groceries and everything because there was no bridge back then. So did she have any support on the island when she was here? Yeah, she had the aunts and, of course, uh, Lilius and and Spalding and uh, Dad's sister, Anne. And I don't think Jiggs was there at that time, but there was lots of people on the island who just welcomed her. Okay. Yeah. Well, l- let's go further back into the history. Whoa. Well, because <laughs> yeah. it, that's really neat, actually. Yeah. So... Okay, it was it's on your dad's side that mm-hmm. uh, the history of the family is, but maybe stepping back into his parents' situation because were were they the first? Well, Arthur Arthur Spalding uh, was the first actual settler on the island. There was people who actually who bought property on the island, but they never lived there. Like they might have had a little bit of thing, but never never settled and built a home. It wasn't until eighteen eighty six that. Uh, um, Arthur came from Ore Place in Cornwall in in England. Yeah, so they they had the big Spalding family, and then after Arthur got here, then his nephew Leonard came over, uh, Leonard Higgs. So thus Higgs's Road. So mm. you have Spalding Road, and then you have Higgs's Road, and Higgs's Road is obviously over more on Gallon Point Way. So so that was Leonard, and he, he Leonard settled there uh, in that area on Closhey Road, which is at the very end. If you go right before you go down to the beach, it's Closhey Road. You can see it. And that's where they had their first place down there. And then eventually they went over closer to Higgs's Road on that one. And then 
Arthur built up on the hill, but he farmed that whole valley. So the whole valley was, uh, I don't know if you ever read my cousin David Spaulding's book, Put That Damn Matic Away. I have read it, actually. I have <laughs> it seen it. It is so yeah. good. It is so good. And it tells the whole story of how he, how he just, like, they just burned stumps and they did he, all their escapades with pigs and and whatnot it's just amazing you know what the what they did there and then he of course uh met lilius spalding uh I, I guess he was out here and and uh um i heard about lilius or through a friend or whatever and they uh she has an interesting history because her father was joseph Mackay, uh who built the bastion in, in nanaimo the the bastion, the little white bastion in Nanaimo, and he worked for Hudson's Bay and was a huge, huge, worked with the natives and everything. And there is some native uh, Maori blood in our in our, in our family. Oh, and, interesting. Yeah, so it's quite interesting in that part. Just so people know, that book by David Spalding is available at the library. Put that uh, old dramatic way. I think that was the yeah, title. Put that old. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed flipping through it. There's <laughs> great drawings in there. There's amazing <laughs> pictures in there as well, too. I keep thinking about this one picture of um, four people, two men and two women sitting together, and it's from 1887 or 8 or 1890. Mm-hmm. But it, it looks like it was taken 100 years later, the smiles on their faces yeah. and the carefree. It's just something that doesn't really, I'm not familiar with, with photos from back in those days. But it's really well worth checking out. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize he was your cousin. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but David, um, well, obviously his grandfather was my great-grandfather. So like Betty... Uh, Betty and my my gr- grandmother, who I never met, um, she died uh, when she was forty seven. She uh, when she married. That's a whole other story. How William Pender got to Pender Island, how the Pender name. But uh, when they married, they went over to um, uh, in the First World War. She became a nurse, and she worked through that Spanish flu, which killed more people. <laughs> And were actually killed in the First World War, and she survived it as a nurse. But um, it 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 really suffered from her lungs, and and she eventually she died at forty seven. And it was one of my biggest regrets ever that I never met Betty. Yeah, but Betty and Herb, which is David's father, mm-hmm. were brother and sister. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, like first off, it's funny because I didn't understand. Like I mentioned, the relation between the two of you, and uh, I, it's, uh, it's, it's blowing my mind just slightly <laughs> right now. I was like, wait a second, Barb has a really deep, rich history with this island. Yeah. I, I don't want to leave the um, your your ancestors behind too quickly, but I, I was just sort of thinking about moving into talking about your coming into awareness of Pender Island, but if there's something you want to touch on later about um, uh, family heritage, we can definitely get back there. Cause yeah. I don't, I don't want to just skip over that quickly. Cause it sounds like there's a lot. Oh, there is a lot. And I could probably go <laughs> a lot about that, but I think, uh, yeah, I could go on and on, but there's, uh, there's much more current history too, which is, which is fun too. Okay. Well, let's try to weave that in as we okay, go through yeah, a little yeah, bit, but yeah. okay. So you said you grew up in Shimanas. Shimanas. Yeah. Dad was, um, Dad was a liquor vendor. He, <laughs> he uh, when he came back from the war, um, he uh, he he worked in forestry and everything. It was tough, and 
Actually, they they uh, one of the craziest stories was that they bought. I guess he got five thousand dollars when he left the war, which is a lot of money at that time. And they bought uh, sixteen acres in Somnos, which is uh, Duncan area there. But Mum always craved to go back to England again. I guess you know she just wanted to go see it again. So they they sold this sixteen acres, which is probably worth about. One million, one point five million dollars or something. Now it was prime property, and uh, they went back and and uh, Dad worked and he was bartending and working in factories and stuff like that. And realized uh, it was a bit of a struggle after the war. And uh, Mum realized that she loved Canada and uh, wanted to come back. So uh, my brother John was born uh, over there. Um, my brother Bob, my older brother Bob had been born before that, uh, in Somnos. And, um, so, uh, I wasn't on the scene yet, but John was born over there. So he always thought that that was absolutely great that he had a double citizenship, that he was part English and, and Canadian. So anyways, they came back and, and she never went back. They never went back to live there again. So. And and then you were born uh, when your family returned to yeah and we lived in oh then we lived in um, uh, North Van Deep Cove area and that's where I was born and then uh, Dad got a job at the liquor store there then he eventually we built a house there I do have remembrances of that place but very vague because I was pretty young I was about three or something it was very minor but I think I have more about what my brothers told me. <laughs> because I don't really uh, uh, remember ex- just poignant little things. Um, but uh, anyways, we moved to Uculet because dad got his own store. So oh. we moved to Uculet and then lived there for three uh, three years in, uh, in the rain and lived in three different places and everything. Lived on a, top of a machine shop and had tons of adventures there. And uh, then... Uh, Dad started looking, oh, now that I've done my three years here now, I'll go. they were looking at Qualicum, they were looking at this, they were looking at that, and uh, they ended up settling on Shimanus. So that's where I grew up. Did my? I, we ended up moving there when I was six years old. Uh, we, and, and my brothers, and they all did their all school. We all sort of graduated from there. And so... During this time when you're living in Shamanus, are you making regular trips to Pender Island with the family? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so how often are you coming? Uh, Every summer, pretty much. I think there was one summer we went to Kelowna, and we ended up getting lost and everything. Dad never wanted to go back there again. Uh, But, you know, like, and I kind of regretted it in a way, but in a way I didn't because uh, the minute I got there, I always, as soon as we got there, I just wanted to go off and meet uh, B, my Aunt Beaky, who was B Freeman. She was the one who wrote the patchwork quilt and all that sort of stuff. But she was such a character, and I'd run over there and go see B, who was just such a fascinating person. She had, like, uh, she would bring out her lime cordial, and she'd have all her photo albums, and we'd go through it all the time, and she had bowls of agates. Like, she, whenever we had picnics on the beach, uh, B always want, was always finding all these fantastic agates and, and, uh, and she, she was quite fascinating because she always had 
a rolled cigarette that would sit on the on the corner of her lip where it was absolutely flattened it would just sit there and she could talk <laughs> she could talk with and the ash would be like an inch and a half long but she could still talk with the ash being an inch and a half long it was so fascinating when i was a child to just see how long it would take for those ashes to drop off <laughs> she would but the story she would tell about the early days on pender and everything it was just it was so fascinating and uh i loved her and i loved hope hope and jeff had the what is um Wellwich farm what used yeah. to call jenna's farm and uh, I, I hate to say it knowing my showing my age but at, when i when i was young we would have a phone the old roll phone yeah, yeah, yeah. ring yeah. for four four times for up a bees and three and a half for this and everything so we would always have these phones and we and and hope had a, a a cabin in the field we used to call kelly's cabin and we'd stay in that and it was very rustic it was sort of you sort of fell into it because it had a slanted floor and <laughs> And by the time, you know, finally you get the bats out after two nights and, you know, kind of thing. But otherwise there was bats flying around all the time. But it was a great childhood and everything and uh, lots of fun running over the rocks, climbing the rocks, John throwing, um, uh, what do you call these, uh, and metamies, uh, green things at me and sticking them in me. And like, it's like, I had two older brothers. You had, I had to be tough. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So it was fun. So when you were coming over on these adventures as a child and I guess, uh, a teenager as well too, did, did you slowly start to have aspirations about, Oh, I really would like to try living there. Or how did that wind up coming about? Mm, I didn't really, because uh, I still, I just had, I always wanted to, I thought there was a world out there that I wanted to see and do and things like that. So I, I when I left, when I graduated, I went and lived in Vancouver, but I was always drawn back no matter what. I mean, mom and dad, after I graduated, they quickly moved to Pender and started building a house down on Gallon Point. Okay. So, yeah. Otherwise, we just had, they had the property, but they, we always kind of lived in other places over there, uh, before, but nothing, nothing steady. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, mom and dad, they just, they had their place in Shimanus, which was right across from the hospital. And, uh, for years, and it's still standing. I went there. It's still standing to this day, the old house that we lived in. But, uh, mom and dad sold that and they went and lived in, they brought up a cottage from down at Jigs. And, uh, and Derek, that's my aunt, they rolled this cottage up, just a one room cottage and lived in that with no running water, no electricity, no phone for, for two years while they built the house. It was quite, it was quite a funny time because every time we had to phone dad or for some emergency or something, we had to call Gertrude Bennett, which was up was just up the hill from them who was practically stone deaf. And we had to scream in the ear, can you tell mom and dad? Like we were just screaming in there. And then she would run down when she was like 85 or something like that. And she'd have to tell mom and dad that we were coming over or something like that. So yeah, it was pretty rustic. They had a big wood, just a wood stove in there, but mom made the best Yorkshire puddings in that stove. You wouldn't, they were just like big, 
brown and black, like almost brown, like this size in that little wooden stove. Yeah, it was crazy. So it's it sounds like once the kids left the nest that they felt comfortable uh, making the move to yeah. come to Pender because that's something that they totally wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so you, actually what really strikes me, though, is a, a few times you've mentioned the storytelling that exists in your family. Has there been a lot of uh, like a history of storytelling mm-hmm. in the Pender family? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sounds like yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dad, dad was a good storyteller and uh, all, the, all the relations were uh, – Anne, my aunt, Anne was married to Len Henshaw. He loved to tell stories and it was great. Yeah. It's interesting because obviously things are so different now, but it's uh, it's so uh, warming to hear a history of storytelling through families because it's such a, that's what I'm attempting to do here, obviously, a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Have people tell their stories, but that's such a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, so fast forward into... Uh, you did so you lived in vancouver for a while and then you made the move to pender um i actually in vancouver twice i went when i was like 17 like right after graduation and then i went back again later uh after the kids left home so i lived in vancouver and then came back to pender and then i actually lived in and then i lived on pender for a a few uh, in in the late eighteen eighteen eighty eighteen eighty seven to ninety one yeah sorry nineteen <laughs> sorry That's nineteen and uh, then I then I went back to the island now and then I've been back since two thousand and two here on the island okay yeah. all right okay well yeah. uh, it's it's interesting like hearing about people's experiences on the South Island in particular, because you told me that you're part of the South Island Historical Society. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, I really got the sense of talking to people in the last few years doing this and other things that there was a, a big difference between the two islands. Mm-hmm. And that there was this uh, rustic element that existed on the South Island, which still kind of exists Well, it is today. bigger properties. I mean, you go in a magic lake and all you have all these little properties. There's nothing like that down on South Pender. It's all sort of bigger lots and and uh when they did the castle road thing those are a little bit smaller but they're still not as small as as what they have in magic lake here totally yeah and so when you made your first move to the island were you living on the south island that uh first time um when i first came back um i lived up on scarf road the very the first time scarf road and then i lived at port wash uh, on Port Washington Road, I lived in the um, uh, what they call the Manx, where the the old church, St. Peter's Church, was right across the road. But now it's moved to where it is now okay. on Scarf Road. Yeah, so I lived there. Yeah, those those places. Okay. And then I left there, went back to Nanaimo, Vancouver, and then came back again to Pender. But all the time I was gone, I just wanted to come back here. <laughs> Why? Why? Because I don't know. It was good. I went back to university. I went back to Malaspina University College and and took courses and everything. And I really, really enjoyed it. But when I got out into just being in the in the towns, I just like I don't know. I just wanted. I, I missed the community, and especially in Vancouver. I missed the community of Pender. There's such a gorgeous community here. You just can't get involved with people in those other places really uh it's hard it's hard every their dance cards are all full they don't really i'm a pretty outgoing person and 
And every time I wanted to join something or whatever, and it's like, oh, we don't really know you or this or that. Like no one gives you a chance. Which is just the opposite of here. Yeah, it's the opposite completely. Totally. Which, totally. Which is actually something I think I'd like to talk about a little bit because we'll we'll slide into uh, talking about solstice shortly here. But <laughs> what sort of things were you able to do here that you got invited to or welcome to that uh, – that really resonated with you when, when those earlier days. Well, that's, that's the thing is <laughs> bringing up solstice. We were just talking about that this week is that, uh, when I was here the first time and I lived here for five, six years, uh, and the kids, my kids did their sort of younger, younger school years here, uh, uh, that, um, I joined, we started a, this little company called Solstice Theater and it wasn't even put as a society then. It was just a group. And we put on this fantastic production called Treasure Island, which we are going to do again in 2021, which is 30 years later. Whoa, really? Yeah. It's going to be a, uh, hopefully going to be a good production, but it was really good back in those days. I mean, I remember my kids, they, they were like sharks that went across the front of the stage. Like we all did it as a community. And and Kim Davis, who was quite an actor in his day here on Pender, he was a black dog. And he was, uh, you can't get there on, you can't get to Salt Spring on Sunday. <laughs> it was the best line. I've never forgot it for 30 years later. You can't get to Salt Spring. And you still can't get to Salt Spring on Sunday. So. <laughs> <laughs> that island's hard to get to on the best of days. It's an annoying journey, it seems like. But, uh, okay, well, where were the first plays, the Solstice plays? Where did they happen? Um, at the school. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everything the- was at the school for for the first couple, I think. And then I left. I left soon after that because that was in 91, eh? So I left in 92, 92, 92, yeah. Well, seeing how we touched on Zolz's, let's uh, let's uh, stay there for a little bit <laughs> because uh, you and I have a history with that and it's yeah. always fun to talk about. But uh, I didn't I didn't realize that you were there at the inception of... Yeah, like, but I mean, I never did anything much with it. I went over back to Nanaimo. I went to university and all that sort of stuff and working and living and uh a couple of times i i i saw things that maybe i i, I would go around when we were living in qualicum i went around and i said is there any way i can get involved in your theater and everything is like no 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 like it was just it was uh, shut doors so Amazing. i never bothered to do anything yeah it's ridiculous it's so funny though to think about <laughs> it because I've, I've i've reflected on this numerous times and i thought wow i don't think i ever would have acted if it wasn't for the fact that i was living in a small community and it yeah. was so open so you you had the experience of putting the first play together and then yeah. you left and then you came back and then uh you got back into the solstice theater and we did a play together was that the first play um then? there was a there was before that there was a the choir had decided to bring in people to do like little kind of plays within like and talking so i did that and then right after that was when i met julia and greg and uh, they said that they were going to wanted they were going to put on this play called the foreigner and uh would i be interested in playing and i said yeah 
yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> and then someone else was playing in that play too. Yeah, yeah. You. <laughs> it was my first, uh, first try at community theater and it was uh, so fun. It was very much fun. Well, very much fun. I, I know that you wanted to talk about that a little bit. And yeah. so let's, uh, let's honor that uh, wonderful play that happened directed by uh, Greg Nichols and uh, Julia. Yeah. Julia. I know. And uh, like I say, I, 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 I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that time where um, there was uh, you. You played the the bad guy, and uh, there was one part there. I think you were. I don't know. Remember exactly what you were saying, but uh, you know, you were you were always mean to me. My character was Ellie, and I was kind of like a bit of a simple person and stuff like that. But you were always very mean to me, and you said something, and I. I went, maybe it's just a phase. Maybe it's just a phase. And that was like, and all of a sudden you dropped and you started laughing. Like you just could not stop laughing. It was just, it was such a funny moment. Like, and, uh, it later on in the, in the show, the timing of it just had to be so perfect. And I remember my grandson was in the, in the thing and she, he yelled out, Grandma, you're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah. It was, but you were just like, you could not stop. You couldn't go on with your lines because you were laughing so hard. Oh yeah, so. that that uh, that line had such a huge roar from the yeah, audience. Yeah. Uh, all three, all three shows. But is it because that play for people who are unfamiliar with it uh, deals with racism, and yeah. uh, the you know we're in uh, late twenty twenty right now, and it's a uh, it's a topic that's never uh, not poignant. I think because it uh, exists in our our world. But I, I think that was part of the reason why Greg and Julia wanted to do that is mm -hmm. that uh, it was it had uh, a social consciousness to it their conscience and um for for like a little sleepy island you know where a, a lot of the plays are a little more comical mm -hmm. in general it was uh, it was pretty heavy it, oh. uh, it it hit pretty hard and uh dealt with so many things it did it did it did. And uh, if anybody has a good secondhand time machine, I recommend going back and checking it out <laughs> no. if you ever get the chance. It's uh, it's well worth going for sure. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it, it was so nice to be involved in, in that. Like I, I think uh, back so fondly to those times. And for people who have been involved in plays or haven't been involved mm -hmm. in plays, uh, it, it's such a great experience to do rehearsals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's all part of it. It's a part of the whole thing. I think uh, one of my favorite parts was when we were uh, getting ready for the big show. And um, I think we were all sitting downstairs waiting what we call the green room or something. And you came over and you said, I have to say, I, I feel so horrible because I, I've, I've been so mean to you. <laughs> I says, I've been feeling really bad because I always have to be so mean to you. And I said, but it's part of acting. It's so fine. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. And, and, uh, I didn't think any much more about it till we went for, to the after party or something. And you gave me this letter. Uh, you gave me a letter when I was leaving and I didn't read it until I got home, but it was, it was a, a letter from you in jail. <laughs> Because that's where you were sent in the play, saying all the things that uh, that you felt bad about and that you were sorry for and everything. And I was just like so moved. It was like it was. 
such a such a great I I have it still. I, I'm going to keep it forever because it was just such a poignant thing. It was it just made me feel wow. This is this is what acting's all about. It's like we get so into character and we do it. We have to do it, and it's so much fun. Yeah, yeah. that's I forgot about that. I sent letters to all the other <laughs> cast members in, in character, talking about how I was going to reform my ways. And I was yeah, while you're in jail. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah it's 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 interesting i've just been thinking the last few months how i haven't really been doing too much uh creative stuff and uh just uh, reflecting back on those experiences oh it's just so nice it's so nice to be a part of, gr- of a group and uh, mm-hmm. work towards something and then have this accomplishment and um yeah i don't know about you but it, i i really feel as if the uh, the show itself is almost anticlimactic that mm-hmm. the, the best part is the build up to it because you go through this intense rehearsal period where you're working with people and you're refining things and you're you're uh you're, you're building something together yeah and uh man it's so fun doing it that. is it is yeah yeah when we uh um shanda bosch and and um ren wild and i did uh uh oh gosh i can't think of the name of it all of a sudden <laughs> um when we were the three sisters and there, and it was just like, wow. I mean, the whole tumultuous thing that we went through to get to that final end of that show. And at the end, we always had a big cake and we had to cut it up. And, uh, we just cut great big slabs and shoved it in our mouth and everything. It was crimes of the heart. <laughs> no, there you I, go, yeah. Yeah. I just couldn't think of the name, of it. <laughs> but it was a great, 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 great moving experience yeah one of my best one of my favorites that was actually and uh mm-hmm. in particular ren oh fantastic she's so gonna be and she is actually off to uh acting school oh she so, is yeah okay yeah, so i i predict big things for her i good, do good and her voice her singing voice is so beautiful so she's got those two things to look forward to so she's going to be, she's going to do good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she was my backstage person in the early days. She would stand, sit back there. And I always kind of knew that she, this is what she wanted to do. You know, like she would be my changer and all that sort of stuff. And just sitting, waiting for it to change my costumes. And I thought, oh, she's going to, she loves it. <laughs> so it's very rare, rare to see that. So. I'm sure. And, you know, I'll, I'll always remember, I think, just how amazed I was at how well she pulled that off. Cause I don't know how oh. old she was, 16. Oh my gosh. Not, well, barely, barely. Yeah. 16. Yeah. 15, I, 16. I think. I think she was playing a character who was in their 20s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it was, it was amazing. And, uh, it's interesting. Say, <laughs> say what you want for a community theater. You can have amazing experiences, right? <laughs> like, and that's, that's like, you know, part of what we're getting out of this show is that we're, we're celebrating where we live in a way, right? Yeah. And, uh, really recognizing the charm and the beauty and the depth that exists. And, uh, I've been fortunate enough to be present at solstice, uh, events, like whether in them or watching them and just, just having you know the greatest time and mm-hmm. uh this this island has great stuff but um yeah anything else you want to say about solstice before we uh shift gears um, no we we just uh we have some things coming up and um uh it's trying times right now because of covid 
and um, not being able to put on shows, but we're we're working on things that we can maybe film some things. So, yeah, yeah, we're going to do a production of It's a Wonderful Life coming up this Christmas, but we're going to film it over four days to keep the social distancing in order and everything like that. So, cool. Hopefully, it'll work. <laughs> Speaking of uh, working on things, you've been working on uh, moving your feet, uh, going various oh, places yeah, lately. Yeah. So, yeah. so this is something I totally want to go deep into because <laughs> I think it's so cool, Barb. So, well, first of all, you uh, you like walking. I, I love to walk. Okay. Always have. You yeah. have spent some time doing uh, various walking trips mm-hmm. in various yeah. places, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll touch back on those in a sec. But where have you been walking uh, this past summer? This summer? Um, this summer I started out, I walked out of my door. Uh, to the ferry terminal, which is 14.1 kilometers. And then, uh, the next, uh, the next time I did a stint where I walked from, um, the ferry terminal to Lake Cowichan and I'm trying to do just trails. So I did Lockside, uh, Galloping Goose, uh, Souk Wilderness Trail and then Cowichan River Trail. So over, over uh, over the Malahat and everything so it's been it's been a really fun experience and uh, it's hard to do in COVID times I'm sorry I don't want to keep bringing that up but what work has worked really good is that we have a pleasure way van and Roger comes and picks me up at certain points and then we go and camp so uh, we're doing this camping walking sort of holiday thing which has been really fun so you're still keeping your distance you're still doing things with and still enjoying it. And I do it with my dog, my dog, Nellie, who uh, loves it. And, uh, and we, we, we had some good long days there. The one that we did 24 kilometers over the suit up at the top of the Malahat and over, it was just her and I the whole time. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was hot. And, uh, I remember, um, I, I was expecting to have a few more streams along the way and I'd only packed one big bottle of water and we started running out of bottle water because you, as you know, I'm, I've got to give it to my dog too. So, uh, I remember accosting when we were coming down was one of the first people, person I saw this guy on this bike and I accosted him and said, do you have any water? I made him stop. And he actually gave me half of his water bottle just to carry on to where we were going to get picked up at Souk Lake. But it was kind of a funny moment. But um, yeah, I've had lots of adventures. Uh, so I've been doing it in series. And then I went back and did another series. I went back and did a few days to north of Lake Couch and up at, uh, um, is it called Net Net Creek or something? And then I decided I didn't want to walk the logging roads because it was just so dusty and everything. So I went immediately across and started in Shemanus again this last time and walked uh, north of Nanaimo. So doing a Cowichan Trail. And if I don't, if I can't get on any trails, I just don't want to walk on the highway. I, I walk the, the railway track. <laughs> you walked the railway tracks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Except the last time was a bit interesting because um I was going to take this other it's the old Trans Canada Trail, but I couldn't I couldn't find it. I couldn't find the no matter I couldn't find the entrance to it. So I zipped down and got on the railway tracks and I walked a little ways up and I came out at the Cassidy and there was this huge four car um pile up. It was just like it was like 
it was horrible. It was just, it was kind of crazy. And I, and I didn't really want to hang around. I said, what's happened? They said, oh, this happened. There's like, there was parts of cars all over the place and ambulances. And so I started walking on more to Timberlands and then I, and, and the traffic wasn't even moving hardly. And Raj had to catch me up. So, um, I ended up going to the Timberlands pub and walked in there and I said, Oh, what, what was all that accident? And they said, Oh, well, there was this guy who, uh, fled the scene of the accident. Uh, he caused this, uh, this four cup pile and one person was killed and there was other people taken to the hospital and, but he fled the scene of the thing. And I'm going, Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm walking along the railway tracks. <laughs> I mean, he could have fled like right up there beside me and everything like that. It was kind of like, I was kind of like, that was a scary moment. But I had to wait for Roger for about two hours for him to get through the mess of it all to yeah. meet me. But but we've had fun camping in, in the different campsites. It's like we're seeing our backyard. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. actually, actually, it's, it's interesting. Just why are you spending all this time walking? What is it about? I love it. I love it. I love walking. Okay. And I like long distance walking. I don't, I mean, I'd rather I, just going out and going for a walk around the block doesn't interest me. I like long distance walking. Do you listen to anything while you're walking? Oh, yeah, yeah. I listen to uh, podcasts by certain people and I, uh, listen to music. And, uh, when I, when I did the Camino, which I just finished last October, which was 780 kilometers, um, uh, I did five audiobooks. <laughs> so do you oscillate between some silence or? Uh, yes. Yeah. You go back and oh, forth. Absolutely. I don't even, think about putting on anything until I'm like well into my journey, like two or two or three hours. I love to, I love to hear everything, the birds, the, I want to get the feel of everything. And then uh, once, once you're getting over like 15, 16, 17 kilometers, then it's good to put something on to get the momentum going. Sure. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Well, where did this all start? Where did the uh, desire to go on these long walks start? Um, well, the thing is, I, I I think I used to do them with dad a lot when I was young, but uh, I think I my real real love started when I went to Ireland about seven years ago, I guess, or six years ago now. I went and did two uh, walking tours in Ireland, uh, the Barrow Way and the Wicklow Way. It was just awesome. Boom. Yeah. Let's get and, it. and a lot of times I'm by myself and I just love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. One of the first one I ended up walking most of the time with this Dutch girl and we just had a blast. And, uh, and she, we just stayed together the whole time and, and everything. But that when I did the Wicklow way, there was days, quite a few days where I, I was just by myself the whole time. But, and that same was when I did the Camino too. Uh, I was with groups of people. I was a group with the people in the beginning, but then they wanted to walk so much longer days than I did. And so I just held back and, and just being by myself is, I love it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. I can relate, but I'm just sort of thinking about someone listening to this who can't relate and uh, just mm -hmm. finding um, more of a way in to understand because I, I love spending time by myself. I love just mm -hmm. being in my thoughts and then, uh, and having that and then being in motion as well too it feels so good so i can relate to what you're saying but oh, but in terms of it, it took you until you were you were you know you said six or seven years ago where you really discovered this yeah but i, I mean i i i did 
lots of long walks when I was younger too, but nothing in succession. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I, when somebody told me that you could go over here and then walk from uh, sort of one uh, B and B to the next B and B or something like that, it's like, wow, that's a that's a really neat idea. What an adventure, you know? So you're not always, you know, just every day you wake up, it's like, what's behind that next? next corner you know like and what's what's today gonna unfold for me and every and i keep a journal all the time and every day was a was a wonderful uh documentation of my experiences i mean like it was it was fun and you feel so ah oh, good at the end of the day that you've accomplished those things and maybe your feet hurt a little bit or <laughs> your uh, <laughs> leg my, my legs never hurt my legs never hurt but my feet you know uh, sometimes I did get some blisters but uh, I, I got over it you just get over it you do you succumb over that you yeah. succumb over all the problems I had a, a, a extra a tooth that fell out in the beginning of the Camino and after two dentists, I finally got that thing. But I, I got, I went ahead, you know, like you just go ahead, you persevere. And it's, it's, it's the people you meet and the camaraderie that you feel at the end of the day, you know, and, and I prefer to sleep in, like I say, I, I prefer to camp rather than staying in, 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 in even B&Bs or anything like that. It's so much more fun to sleep in these big, Things where you got fifty people and you're there's all these people snoring. You don't you, you, you get used to it after a while, like you know. But you all go for dinner and you all talk about your day and you love it. You know, like it's just you feel like you've done something. You know? Nice, nice. You know, and it's it's interesting because we're all looking for meaning within our lives and the mm -hmm. things that we do, right? And that uh, I would imagine for some people just cannot understand. You you just walk every every day. You're just gonna put your shoes on and you just keep oh, walking. It's such a neat feeling. Yeah, I'm, oh. I'm sure. Like, so it's a sense of accomplishment every day. It's a sense of empowerment. You're getting physical exercise. You're seeing new things. Mm -hmm. You know that uh, it, it sounds sounds really great. And then, especially with what you mentioned about the Camino. Which in the previous podcast with Joy, we really uh, went deep into it, and mm -hmm. uh, it you're in you're in Europe, oh, <laughs> multiple different countries. So oh my you, God. you, you yeah. said the whole Camino Trail is seven hundred and eighty kilometers. That, that was said? the one that I started in. It was like Saint Jean de Port. Yeah, I mean uh, Joy's done ones that were all up in France and everything too. I, I originally wanted to do that, but that one is less traveled. The one I took was fairly well traveled so you know you you pretty much even 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 that being said i still had uh trouble finding a place to stay a couple of times you know like we were rummaging around but we did manage to find a place because they were so full it was so busy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what uh do you think is one of the most uh powerful moments that you've had on the uh the camino trail so mm -hmm. what what comes to mind in terms of uh, the word powerful um, I don't know, I guess the stops along the way that, um, uh, there's one point there and I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it. It's okay. Tarot or something where you, uh, it's a big, long, big mound of rocks with a big, big, uh, uh, just a wooden thing and everybody leaves their leaves are a part of themselves there like a little thing and i had this little saying that i had 
that I was carrying around with me and I put it, I left it there. And, uh, and <laughs> it's so funny because you never know who you're going to end up when you get there. And it was some, it was a crazy Irishman and he was so, he was just so into it. Like he was just, he was just so empowered by the whole thing. And, uh, there's lots of Irish people on the, on, on the Camino, but, uh, he was, he was just with his power, with his feelings and everything. And it was just him and I walked up there and there was another guy there and he just stayed back and he, I said, well, can you take a picture of us up on the, up on this thing? So it was, it was quite a moment. And I think the first day, the first night, the first day that I walked over the Pyrenees was probably one of the most fantastic moments. I was just like so worried because they said it's like straight up and then this, what they call the, 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 whatever the down thing all the way down. I was just so worried that I, I wouldn't be able to make it the first day. And it was like 28 kilometers. And then, and then, and then I did get there and, uh, we didn't have any place to stay. Uh, there was a whole bunch of us and, uh, the, the whole, there was this huge Ronde sale. It was like, it was, it, it should have taken like 300 people, but it was that full that day. And, uh, there was a guy who'd bust us off to this camp and all those people that were with me and who bust up were with me for like the, almost the half of the way. Cause we bonded. So because we got shipped off to this other camp where we could stay and, uh, it was like, we were put into these little cubicles and the guy was almost like a, uh, German commandant. <laughs> He was like, it was quite, quite a, quite a, quite a place. And, but we had a good food and everything. And those people, I still, I still, every single one of those people that I was with in that group, we all Zoom each other. Uh, we are on WhatsApp. Wow, really? Yeah. You still in touch? Yeah. That's really cool. Every day we're having, we have another Zoom meeting on October 4th. Yeah, wow. Like, yeah. Wait, how many Because years you back just is... bond, like when you do things like that together where we were just sort of shipped off to Baltimore, like just got together. Yeah. It was like, and they, they, they went ahead of me later on, like halfway through, but, but, and then I met a whole bunch more people, but it was good. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. And so the the friendships that you have with these people yeah. that they're unfolding as time goes on. And they're all obviously. around the world. Neat. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, okay. So let, let's see if we can uh, figure out this triad because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sensing that there was a passion for uh, for theater. Would you say there was a yeah. passion? And there is certainly mm-hmm. a passion for walking. What would be the third? If we're looking for the triad of Barb's passions, what would be the third passion in your life, Barb? Oh, it's spending my time with my grandkids. Oh, for okay. sure. Yeah. 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 That's my biggest passion. Right. How many grandkids do you have? I have Donovan, who's 13. Um, that's Ginny, Virginia, my older daughter's son. And, uh, Sam has three girls, uh, Avery, Willa, and Pender. <laughs> <laughs> right. I remember <laughs> and that. And they're now. all girls. And they're the delight of my life. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love spending time with them. We go on camping trips every year. We do everything. Yeah, that's my my biggest thing. And of course, I'm still work. I'm actually still working, and I'm uh, turned sixty five this year. Congratulations! <laughs> and uh, but I love my job. I work at the clinic, and I love helping people um, in their days. You know, and uh, feel like I, I feel like it's a worthwhile 
job. I might even, I'm going to continue to work for another couple of years, especially through these times. And, and, uh, then I'll think of retiring, I guess. Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, with a small community and working at a clinic, it's uh, you obviously get to see everybody come through yeah. the clinic, right? And that uh, it's an interesting place to find yourself in and and uh, seeing people when you know they're not at their best. Obviously, that's what they're doing the clinic, or and they're they're in a vulnerable place. But mm-hmm. um, how many how many years have you worked there for? Um, twelve. Twelve years. You've worked there for twelve years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess it was because 2005, I worked at Poets Cove till 2008. So 2008 to now is... So 12 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been a dozen. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah, it'll be at the end of October. It'll be 12 years, I guess. Yeah. Have there, well, obviously, you know, you've, I'm sure you've learned so much about uh, yourself through that yeah, experience, yeah. but uh, any, anything that you could share about things that you've learned about yourself along the way about uh, having a position like that? For- oh, I, I, it was kind of like uh, when I wanted to leave Poets Cove, I was a caterer manager there and it was, it was a hectic. I was working 17 hour days and just kind of getting really tired of it and doing stuff. And I was like dreaming of a sort of a nine to five job. There's something that I could just sort of take with me and just go and do until I finished working. And I just thought the clinic. Yes. I Well, earlier on in my life, I always wanted to be a nurse, but it just never worked out. I actually went to nurse orientations and everything like that. But um, I was on my own with my girls uh, early on, earlier on in my life when they were like four and it just, I just couldn't see it. I financially, I just could not see myself going to nurses training and doing that with two small kids. So, um, I, uh, I just always thought, wow, I think I could like that. And I, and I do, I love it. I love what I do. Why do you love it? Cause I feel like I'm doing something for, for the people, the, the elderly people here on the island, especially looking after them, making sure that they get to their appointments, you know, they come in there. Sometimes they're not feeling so good and you can cheer them up. You can make them feel better and you feel like you've done something in the day. You've accomplished something. You mm-hmm. know, you're looking after, looking after people. Yeah. yeah. And they're in their final days. I mean, I think in 12 years, I've seen a lot of people from Pender come and go, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I've had some of them send me nice thank you letters that, that they care about how I cared about them. And, and it feels good. It feels good. I love it. Nice. You yeah. know, just as you were saying that, I was looking in your eyes there. I was, I was just thinking of how many people when you, you know, you said come and go, how many people have passed away? Oh. So many. I mean, like, I mean, I can't even. <sighs> but you honor them. You honor them. You honor their presence in their in their latter years. Sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes people get some. Some of them just go very sweetly and and uh, never really know what's going on. And then some people fight it. Some people do. Um. Some of them, some of the people are, you know, like they know that the time is coming and they just like, there's no way they're going down or anything like that. And, uh, you just help them along and just make it easy for them. You know, it's a hard, it's a hard time. There's a lot of elderly people on the island. There's lots of young people now. 
which is exciting. So you got the double thing. You got people that are ending their life, but then there's people starting out. We have lots of babies on the island now too. That's so exciting. I was there when we had a baby born in the clinic. Oh wow! Yeah, it was. They're they're not very many. <laughs> they're told to leave the island when they're <laughs> like they're three told or four to leave weeks. The island. <laughs> but this one did not, and it wasn't. They weren't even going to take her in the helicopter because it was. She was so far dilated. So so she had the baby there, and it was pretty exciting. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So. Um, just to stay on this topic for a little bit because it's been something on my mind for a while. I think my aunt passed away in December and. We weren't that close, but uh, it was it was really really interesting to have a, a death happen in the uh, the family that uh, was the immediate family because you know I'd known her my whole life, but uh, like I said, we weren't that close, and it, it really hit me harder than I thought it was going to, and really made mm-hmm. me think about death quite a lot. And I've come around to having some very positive feelings about it actually, but I'm just curious about yourself that through experiencing so many people and so many different ways of of people dealing with it has that impacted uh your own perception of your mortality or how you would eventually feel about the end of your life have you have you thought about that at all yeah i, do. I mean i do because uh i think about what i wouldn't do <laughs> because of whatever but um uh i mean uh, my, uh, I think my dad having dementia and my aunt Anne both had uh, Alzheimer dementia and to see people's, I just hope that I don't go that way, you know, sort of thing. But even though that being said, they do say that it's a hereditary um, sort of thing. Uh, but when it's, it, it really is, it's so sad for me to see people like my dad was just such a, like a, just a, he loved life. He loved people. He loved everything about, he read, he was funny. He was all these sorts of things. And then all of a sudden that was robbed, totally robbed from him. You know, like it was that one of those things, he just kept asking the same things every day. And it's like, is the dad that I knew was totally gone, but, uh, and, uh, he would have some lucid moments, but, uh, we looked after dad until the very end, almost the very end and before he went to James Bay Lodge. And, uh, it was really sad. It was just so sad. And those are the ones that really, uh, uh, make me sad, but there is some that, you know, I mean, I don't know. They just, their time is, they, their time comes and, and they're just so happy that we have been there for them and everything. And I just, I love it. You know, I just love it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think, uh, dying is, is, is just something that we have to live with. But I mean, it'd be nice when we, you know, they can die with just a good feeling in their heart and to have their wits about them and everything like that. That's, that's the way it should be. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing, Barb. I didn't know I'd go there with this. Yeah, uh, I don't know yeah. why I did, but thanks for sharing. That's yeah, really, yeah. really great. But what's a, what's a great dad story? What's a great story <laughs> of your dad that we can honor him with? Oh, dad. Dad was just, um, he was a character. He, I, I'm actually a scrapbooker and I, I'm scrapbooking all his, um, like, 
since the beginning of his life, but he was a writer. Like he wrote to newspapers, everything. He had an opinion on every single thing. Like he wrote to every newspaper. He <laughs> kept every sheet and he did. He was just a, he was a, I don't know what you call it. He just had an, a, he, I don't know. He just wanted to change the world, I guess, or something. And, uh, but he was a liquor vendor and, uh, everybody talked to him. Everybody knew him in Shimanus when we grew up and, and he was, uh, he was <laughs> like, even, even the natives from Thetis Island, this, I just, I just like, these are the kind of things that dad would do. He would, uh, they would come over and they would barter with dad for a bucket of clams for a bottle of scotch. And dad would arrange it with them. And a couple of times I'd be at home and all of a sudden I'd get this knock at this door and there'd be this toothless old Indian with just as, like as old as and bedraggled as anything with a big bucket of clams and handing them over to me because dad had made a deal that for a bottle of scotch. So those are, those are my dad memories of my early days but he was oh he he loved to walk and he walked and i walked with him and and uh, he loved me because i was the only i was the only girl i was the youngest and the only girl right <laughs> so we had a pretty pretty good bond and you and your dad walked together. Yeah, like we, he was, he always made sure I was out walking and he walked to work and back all his life. Like he was a walker. Okay. Yeah, so I'm carrying on dad's tradition. And dad was an actor and singer too. He was a singer. I, I knew he was an actor. I remember and that came he, up, but yeah, he was yeah. a singer? Well, he did. He sang in all the, um, he was the star of all the productions in Shimanus. They Whoa. used to have these hospital day productions every year and he would drag me out to them. And, uh, I would just be like in the background in the chorus or something like that. But dad always the main guy. He was always the main singer and, uh, and, uh, everything. Yeah. He was the star of all the productions there. Wow. So, really? Okay. Yeah. The star. Yeah. Yeah. He was quite a character. Yeah. I miss him still. He's been gone since 2000, July 2003. And I still miss him. Yeah. <laughs> well thanks for sharing a uh, good dad story well it, it just makes me like want to know more about your mom as well too right? oh mom like, was mom was your wonderful Eng little english lady <laughs> she was just you know had the soft-spoken voice and uh never really worked never worked never drove never had her license but uh she was always there she was there with us, for us kids and she lived about eight years after dad passed away so we had her for there and and uh roger and i looked after her there and john my brother so we had them till the end that's one thing i have to say too about uh i do find when i'm in this uh working in the clinic and everything is is that i i i think when your parents get older it is really nice to be able to look after them in their final days and i don't you know i think that's really important they looked after you when you were young, so you should look after them when they get older. That's my sort of philosophy. And I did. I mean, we did. I checked on mom every night. We lived in the cabin and mom lived in the big house and I'd go check on her every night until it was the end of the days. So, wow. Yeah. Good words. Good words, yeah. Barb. <laughs> <laughs>
Seriously. I think they're important words. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Because I think we should look after them. Yeah, well, I guess it completes a cycle that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it uh, it seems as if there's a, a broken chain that exists if that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And that uh, the the impact and the power of that uh, probably ripples through time. It does. It does. And I see it lots. Yeah. When you see it, do you wind up seeing... Because it's obviously not easy to do. There's challenges with it when you mentioned dementia. Oh, I know it is. Yeah. Yeah. But but the thing is... But we had it. We had dad probably at home more longer than we should have. Because when they finally sent him off, they said, oh my gosh, you had dad. I mean, he, he was like... He had a CT where there was like, I don't know if you know about Alzheimer's, but there's nothing... There, it Parts of the brain just... Uh, disappear almost kind of thing so but yeah, I remember his last day and we we still laugh about it because um I think it was the day before or two days before he passed away there um my brother John and uh, my nephew Jamie Pender and and I think Bob were there and they went and they took dad out to the they took him out and they took him out of the patio they they gave him a he was still smoking. He was still smoking cigarettes at that time, but I don't even think he realized that he was smoking cigarettes, but he had a cigarette and then they gave him this, uh, chewy, it's a uh, toffee gum, this toffee, uh, I don't know why they gave him a toffee, but it got all messed up in his, his, his dentures and they had to take his dentures out because it was all stuck up in there and everything. And so they put it back in and they thought, Oh, this is, this is quite the scene and everything. And then so they started wheeling him back and this nurse goes by and he looks at her and he says, where you been all my life? <laughs> He says to this nurse, where you been all my life? And it was like, it was like totally out of the blue. Like, and it was like, that was sort of the funniest thing I'd ever heard. You know, like, I mean, he hadn't really been talking anything. He didn't even recognize mom when I went, when I had gone to see him. He always recognized me. He would go, my girl or something, but he didn't know anything. But it was, and then, and then the next day we went and he had passed away. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was just the day before. Yeah. It's it's interesting to just to maybe finish off on this section with uh you talking about helping alien parents. So the way I perceive it, I've never uh, had to do that. I have an aging mother, but uh when you went through that experiencing and you're witnessing other people going through that experiencing, are you seeing because it's not just about duty and obligation. No. There's got to be a sense of uh, satisfaction involved mm-hmm. with... Because when you're caring for another person mm-hmm. and you're, like, sacrificing and you're helping, yeah. right? Like, you know, I think as human beings... I wanted to do it. I wanted to be with mom. I mean, I made up little things. We, we'd spend time watching Coronation Street or having a gin and tonic at 530 or something. You know, like we'd make these little rituals and, and everything. And I know that that was really special for her, you know, like, I mean, we, uh, you just make time to have time with mm. them at the end, even though you don't even always have to be saying anything or anything too much or something, but... It's hard. I know because we've all got our jobs and we've got our places and we're not always going to be there. But we had to come over 
and uh, help mom because dad was going into his bad state of dementia and he'd smashed up the car and done all these other things. And so we, we sort of got thrown into that looking after them, but it was a hell year, man. When he, when, when we got there for that first year with, to go through that dem- dementia with him, mm. oh, God. it was, it was, it was really sad, but, uh, yeah. But, Sorry, go ahead. No, that's, that's pretty much all I can really say about that. No, fair enough. But yeah. that's, uh, once again, you know, thanks for sharing in with the, the times we're existing in right now <laughs> <laughs> without naming it specifically. Uh, it, 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 I think a lot of people are reevaluating their lives and how they're living them and mm-hmm. deciding upon what's important. And when you say you have to, uh, is it the spend time to make time? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Thanks for sharing that. Really, thank it you. It is. It is. It's really important. Thank you. Yeah. Um, any sections of your life that you want to talk about? But actually, before before I let you answer that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know what? Something to I was, ask me I was, this one other question that's yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. No, I was I was actually curious about this. This this uh, popped into my mind about uh, earlier days on Pender. Mm-hmm. Where did the outdoor parties used to happen? Where on Pender, did you ever go when you were a teenager and go hang out? Oh, yeah. Like, it was always at the beach. Always at the well, beach. Well, we had beach parties. We'd have beach parties at the uh, the bridge, like down at the canal. Like no one goes down there and sits at the canal anymore. Like they go to Mortimer Spit, but there's the other side. We used to go down there. And then, of course, my Aunt Jiggs and, and uh, Derek Christie still have their place down at the end of Gowlin there, and we were always down there. Gowlin Point and Brooks Point were our main places that we would have outdoor. We would we just always go down there and have get-togethers, and especially because we had we would have whole parties at Jigs and Derek's right there on the lawn. But then we'd always be out boating and and everything like that too. So it was fun. Nice. Yeah. So those were the places. Bonfires. Um, I don't remember really having any bonfires or anything like that. Just picnics and lots of good food and, uh, and games. Badminton. We always had games set up and like I say, boating, uh, back in those days, we always got a good show of the whales, which I never get to see anymore, but. <laughs> oh, okay. So the whales were more frequent. Oh back. yeah. Yeah. We'd be, dad would always build us a raft, uh, and I would, we'd go out in the raft and the whales we'd going by or we'd be rowing and everything. I got caught in the current one time just off of the point and i had everybody shouting me from the from the shore and i was i was rowing but i wasn't going anywhere for a really long time so who knows where i would have ended up if they weren't all shouting at me (laughs) (laughs) yeah we had lots of adventures we was just spending on the beach yeah the whole time nice yeah yeah and we swam in that water too believe (laughs) me I just went swimming this last summer with my when my daughter and her kids and Joey and everybody came over and uh I just couldn't believe it. It, it took my breath away. Like I don't know how I went in there when I was a kid. That's it's funny. it is I don't know if you swam have you swam here? Oh yeah. Uh, it's cold. Oh 
Like I wouldn't call it swimming. I call it jumping Num- in and jumping out. Yeah, it's a numify. Numify. It's like you just <laughs> you just get in and you get out really yeah, quick. Yeah. yeah, there's no swimming for me. It's just <laughs> like it's really hot out, and I want to get the sweat off, and then I can just like get back out. And but it is off. invigorating. It is. It's it's a good thing to do. It's it, like we live on a small island. We have ocean access all over the place. Yeah. My it, dad went in swimming every every all the time. Really? Yeah, yeah. He would do ooh 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 every time I got in there. But he would be in there. <laughs> oh, it makes you feel alive. <laughs> so, are, are there any areas on the island that um, uh, where things used to happen? Because I was actually, for some reason, Clam Bay popped into my mind. I've heard stories of Clam Bay and things going on there. They used to have social functions. Yeah, 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 and, and uh, down at Falakas, and um, but. I think uh, back, if you want to go back even earlier, they seem to do a lot of rowing over to Cisterna and Maine and have picnics over there. Really? That was the biggest events, was to go over to the other islands. Yeah. And then they would come over here, but they would row, we, they'd row over there all the time. Yeah. So when you say row, would, would, how many people would be in a boat? Oh, probably six a boat or something like that yeah yeah it really they everybody rode around they roll over to whole bay to go to the store you know like yeah dad said it was nothing to do a good row around the island it was nothing to do a good row around yeah the to island. go over and get your supplies and come back yeah yeah wow yeah. that's amazing it is it yeah. is it's kind of i, I would have loved to have been and i and i this is showing my age, but I do remember as a young girl, no, uh, the driftwood was just a restaurant and a garage. There was nothing else, and it was gravel road all the way to mom and mom and dad's. Like so, I mean, it was there was no pavement or anything. It was pretty. Yeah, it was. (laughs) People think that there's not much here now. Yeah, I know. I mean, really. But you can imagine when there wasn't even a bridge. Yeah. Not even a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's so cool that you've gotten to uh, experience that, and uh, because yeah, I I I only know this uh, island as having having a bridge and connecting. I know, but that was in 1955, the year I was born, that they put the bridge. So mm. that's 65 years ago. Boom. Uh, putting that into perspective. Ooh. Yeah. Where do you think that you want to be uh, heading in the next uh, five or 10 years or so? Well, what to- I'll never, I'll never leave Pender. I think uh, I told Roger when, if I move back to Pender, I am going to rot here. Whoa. <laughs> I'm not going to go anywhere ever again. Yeah. I won't, I don't want to, it's kind of a really neat feeling when you know, you don't want to, you just want to stay like, there's no, there's nothing. I, I just want to stay here forever. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. I just, I like that feeling because, um, I think I grew up in and then I kind of lived in Vancouver and then I lived in Nanaimo and all these places and stuff like that. I sort of roamed around, not anywhere far away from the lower mainland, but it's nice to know that you're steady here and staying here. It's a good feeling. Nice. It's such a good community. It's such a great community. Seems like it's only getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think we're uh, we're gonna wind it down here, and I think mm-hmm. that this has been great so far. But is there anything that you want to touch on that uh, we didn't get to? Anything that you want people to know about for sure? Or? No, I think it's good. I okay. think it's good. Yeah, it's okay. been great. Mm-hmm. 
It has been great. Seriously, <laughs> Barb. And I, I don't know if I'm going to include this or not, but thanks for uh, reaching out and, and um, getting me to do this because it's nice. Like, these are so special to do. And it's funny. I was I was uh, thinking about the feeling I had when I was driving home today. And I was like, oh, you're right. Barb's going to be coming over. And I'm going to be doing an interview. And it's like, hadn't done one of these in a while. And I started to get excited. And I was remembering, like, right, you do love doing this. This is fantastic. And... It's nice. It's nice to get to know more about people, and it's nice to sit across. Well, from... I talk to people all the time, and they say they listen to all your th- all your things. So it's, I think it's you've reached out to a lot of people here. So it's good. Yeah, and I think it's amazing that we get to celebrate uh, other people's lives and celebrate. Oh, it's so important. Yeah, it is. It is so uh, in celebration of you. Thanks, Barb. <laughs> thanks for coming in. No problem. I thought we were done. I yeah. thought we were finished up. Yeah, but, but I mean, it would it would have come to me anyway. But uh, thank thank goodness you remembered now. All the mics were like yeah. still relatively hot. But uh, yeah, the the obvious second question that I have to ask that I forgot that you reminded me of is that who uh, who's helped you along the way on Pender Island? Okay, I have to say, and I say it to everybody, and I mentioned her early is B Freeman to have had the privilege of knowing her is is just a once in a lifetime thing and like, like i said i i wish i had gone to maybe other places than coming to pender every summer for christmas for for holidays and stuff like that um but she was just such a character and such a she she instilled in me my love of the family and the history and what happened how we all came to pender and how 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 it how everything happened and that's why I've gone, I've, I've scrapbooked our whole family in the early days and has come back to this, um, right, right up to, I'm up 1970s now or something, but the stories that she told and, uh, I just couldn't wait to get to, but she influenced me to, to love and cherish Pender forever. Yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned her earlier mm-hmm. when we were recording as well too. Yeah. And so just this. Like, I don't know if kooky is the right word. Yeah, she's just a, she's a character. I mean, she wrote, she, like I say, she wrote the pander, uh, the patchwork quilt, patchwork and the outer islands, uh, which has been the, the book for, for these islands for years. And, uh, and, um, she married, she married three times. I mean, three of her husbands died before she was like, she just, she just had so many adventures and everything. She's filled me full of adventure, history, uh, love of the Gulf Islands and everything. So I think I have to put her down as probably my favorite person. Okay. And that so influenced my life. Sounds yeah. like she was a really passionate person. Oh, there's just, uh, she would just open her mouth and you would just be enthralled. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just to, her to tell a story or something is something I never forgot when I was like 10, 10 years old, a long time ago. What was her magic? How did she draw yes, you in? Just, what was it? Just come on in. Come on into my house and uh, I'll tell you a story and we'll look at pictures. I, I would immediately go to her photo albums and then like, and we go through them all again every summer or something like that. We'd always look through them and, and she always had to find the, the best agate on the beach. And, uh, and I told you that cigarette that roll, she could roll a cigarette with one hand. Like she would put the paper out and put the 
tobacco in and roll it like that and have it and it just sat in her mouth the whole time i wouldn't expect anything less from a lady that (laughs) held a cigarette in her mouth for ages she better roll it with one hand Uh, (laughs) (laughs) no that's that's fantastic i can't look at lime cordial the other any other way is that she always had a glass of lime cordial for us and it was fun cool I mean, there's been people in my late, you know, in since in the latter years, but I don't think anybody who's sort of matched up to that. It was just one of those things. I'm so in a in a way, I'm so glad that I had that time before Fantastic. she passed away. Yeah, I I hope that somebody else uh, listens to this who uh, who knew her and uh, yeah. gets to hear that. It's really it's nice. It's nice to get to honor people who uh, mm-hmm. have have really impacted us and. Help. Oh yeah, but so but it's interesting because the question of like who's helped you along the way. So she helped you in the sense in my younger years to help me along. I think gave me a a purpose in life and and a good direction. And but I think uh, here on Pender in the recent years, uh, no, I I just can't really. There's there's many many. Um, no, no, fair, yeah. fair enough. I, I was just trying to, to get into the, um, because it sounds like what I'm hearing and you could clarify that she helped you in the sense that she was, she was just present and she was just present and yeah, she was, she was, uh, there and, and I think, and of course my dad, <laughs> you know, he would collaborate on the stories with her and, uh, and my, and she enthralled uh, me with, uh, I, I love history. I love history where we come from and where we're going and you know you have to know your history before you can kind of move on i think yeah definitely. that's that's one of my biggest things cool i feel like i've learned a lot here barb seriously yeah, yeah. yeah okay. no no okay. i feel i feel like there's some life lessons that you've uh, you've <laughs> dropped here that it just yeah. it goes beyond what uh what um you know has uh come out in through words anyway, thank you you're welcome Hey, how about that? Well, thank goodness Barb remembered what the second traditional question was, and I'm glad that we were able to squeeze that in at the end. To honor that interview with her, I decided that I would come to Fawn Creek Park. So Fawn Creek Park is located on the South Island, just on the other side of the bridge. So if you hang a right, just past the entrance to Mount Norman, it's a little trailhead that's on the right-hand side. So this trail is a loop and it drops down towards the ocean and to complete the loop it probably wouldn't take any more than 15 minutes but really beautiful little spot with all sorts of great big fir trees ton of salal and ferns of course is the undergrowth and this little creek that's actually running right now in the first week of october that i'm beside as it's leading out towards the ocean and uh, the reason i decided i'd come here was a a, wanted to find a place on the South Island, and B, I wanted to honor Barb's adventures and hiking in the last little bit and come to a place that's a little off the beaten path like she's been experiencing in her life lately, going on trips to Vancouver Island. So if you're listening to this, thank you for listening very much. It's been 202 days since I've done a full interview with someone and uh yeah it's pretty nice to get to do this again and i thought that the uh the numbers lining up with 202 and 2020 were interesting to observe that so thank you once again thank you to ben mcconkey for providing the theme music to the show 
thank you to Barb and thank you to this beautiful place that we exist in and all the wonderful people that have chosen to make this place home because it's a pretty wonderful place to be. Be well and have fun out there. Until next time.